Alright everybody, including those watching on TorahAnytime.com, Baruch Hashem, Rabbi said you should know, I heard tonight, tremendous, tremendous numbers that are all spread around the world listening to these shiurim. Just to make sure, Rabbi said, when you go back, click on the follow me sign when you get back to make sure you get the update of all the latest shiurim. Tonight's shiur! Tonight's shiur! Me? Steal? What do you think I am? What do you think I am? You think I steal? Rabbi Sai, this is the common mistake of many people. The common mistake goes as follows. I don't steal. That, that's like for those guys. You know, people, the Chovetz Chaim says this. The Chovetz Chaim says, people think, you know, what is stealing? Stealing means you go to a bank and you start robbing the bank. Or you take old women as they're walking, you know, past the street and you take the handbag away from them. Or you pickpocket people. That's people that steal. Me? I don't steal. Rabbi Sai, tonight... We're going to hear some interesting chidushim. Some tremendous discoveries what Chazal understand as what stealing is. And we'll see unfortunately, and it's very unfortunate, that it could apply to us every single day of our lives without us even realizing it. There are so many situations that Chazal give us that we'll see that if you add a little bit of sensitivity to what's going on, and to what Chazal considers stealing, you'll all of a sudden realize, whoa, it's not so simple. It's not so simple. And the Chavetz Chaim writes a tremendous thing. He says that people, again, like we said before, assume that stealing is this crazy big idea with a whole plan, a whole idea. A simple action of borrowing something without asking. A simple situation of somebody gives you something to watch and you use it, not paying somebody back, not paying for a service that was done by a worker, v'chuleh, v'chuleh, and loads of examples. We'll see that this is called stealing some of which are even daraisam in Atayah. There's an interesting Gemara in Baba Basra. The Gemara in Baba Basra, Dafkuf Samach Beis, tells us as follows, and this is the words of the Gemara. Raiv Begezel. Raiv Begezel. You know what that means? That means the majority of people steal. I'm reading you the words of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Raiv Begezel. Raiv people, the majority of people in this world are stealing. How, is, how can it be? So the Rishonim, as we pointed out before, Explain what does it mean? Rave of the Olam steal? How can you tell me that majority of the world are stealing? I don't find people doing all these things all day long. Say the Rishonim again, explaining the Gemara in a beautiful way, as well as what we said. Stealing doesn't mean a serious act of robbing a bank and taking money from somebody's pocket and taking their wallet, this, that, and the other. That's also included. That's terrible. But stealing can be on such a small little level. I'll just give you an example. The Gemara gives us, you know. Just a tiny example. Just imagine if your roommate is never, he's a poor guy. His mom is a poor guy. And he has, I don't know, he's got a hat. And this hat is in terrible condition. But it's that terrible condition. He walks around with it, but like you feel bad for him every single time he puts it on. But he's got no money, he can't afford anything. And you decide, you know what, me, Mr. Nice Guy, I'm going to replace this guy's hat. What am I going to do? I'm going to take his hat one afternoon. He doesn't need it. I'm going to steal his hat, so to speak. Take it to the shop, get the exact size, and come up with a brand new beautiful hat. Can you understand? Can you realize how much simcha this person has when he sees his new hat? He's over the moon. Says the Gemara, this is called stealing. For stealing for a moment. A child, for example, a similar thing as well. You steal from a child. Rav Pam Zatzal used to say, 
you know, you had children, you know, the child looks away, you take a sweet, you put in your pocket, he looks back and says, hey, what's going on? Who took my sweet? Ah. You're like, no, I've got it over here, don't worry. The Pam used to say, that's not nice. He didn't say it was stealing the rice, but it's not nice. It's bordering on stealing. So I just gave you two examples, of course, we have to go through a lot more. But just to realize how homo, how stringent it is for a person to steal. There's a shiltis. Chazal tell us as follows, such an, most of these statements are heavy stuff. You have to know these things, what can I tell you? We'll see the story at the end, but he says really something serious. The Sheiltis Chazal tell us as follows, that the punishment before the sin of stealing, the punishment for the sin of stealing is worse than any other Avera in the Torah. Can you imagine? We've spoken before about Abayah looking at the wrong things, saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, all sorts of things, right? And all of those are terrible. But say Chazal, when a person steals in such a small way, it could be a joke, it could be for a few minutes. But say Chazal, when you steal, you know what's happening? You're creating something terrible. And he brings us the proof. Dor Hamabal. Dor Hamabal. What happened? We all know Parshas Bereshis, Noyach, and everything that went on over there. What was going on? Rashi explains that the Dorha Mabil did ter- terrible Averas. They were Isaac and all sorts of terrible things. What was it, say Chazal, that was the final hammer blow? What was the Makaba Patish? What was it that caused the Mabil to come and destroy the entire world? Says Chazal, it was the Isra of stealing. It was the Isra of Gzela, of stealing. And when a person realizes, and like I said, adds a little bit of sensitivity to what he does, especially how he acts towards others, and he realizes that there's a locker of stealing, it's not stum another issa. Chazal are telling us that when a person steals, he's doing the worst avail which can cause the destruction of the world. Listen to this Nitziv. The Nitziv. In Hemek Dover and Parashas Devar and Perich of Hay writes a terrible thing that we have to really realize. We have to internalize these messages. We're going back to Chutzlar, so we're going to be involved in all sorts of deals and business things here, there, and everywhere. Be'ez Hashem, you know, you guys are going to be Be'ez Hashem tremendously successful and you'll make loads of money and you'll be multi-millionaires. And when I come knocking on your door, of course, you'll invite me in and give you a nice big check. But you know, you've got to realize what's going on. You're going into business, you have to know the laws. Chovetz Chaim says, how can you go into business without knowing these halachas? Rabbi Saul Salanta said, I'd love to go into business, but you know, I, I can't until I know all of Shulchan Aruch. <laughs> You're going to have to live like a Jew. So he says the Nitzid, such a, true, a, a real, real statement. Listen to this. When a person is over on Gezel, when a person steals, when a person takes that which does not belong to him, says the Nitziv, not only is he doing the Abayah of stealing, huh, obviously one of the Ten Commandments in the Torah, right? In many, many places, in Baba Basra, Baba Kama, Baba Metziah, it's a Pasuk in the Torah, in what's going on? Not only that, says the Nitziv, what you're actually doing is as follows, and listen to this very, very carefully. Says the Nitziv, what you're doing is, is you're basically saying to the Rebbeinu Shilolam, I don't need you. I'll take care of it myself. Obviously, again, Rabbi Sack, I couldn't say the words, but then it says this. Obviously, the Rabbi Shloylam, to what you think, is not managing, and he's not giving me everything that I deserve, and that's coming to me, so I'll go sort it out myself. I'll go take it from somebody else. 
So what you're really doing, the underlining principle, what's going on? What's the thought process that goes through that head and you're stealing somebody else? Is I'll manage on my own. Thank you God, but I'll do it myself. I don't believe that the Rabbani Shalom can manage. I don't believe that a Kaddish Baruch Hu can support me, can keep me going. So I'll take matters into my own hands. I'll take the law into my own hands and I'll do it myself. Say Chazal, this is what's going on. A person grabs what he thinks belongs to him, but he has to realize, no. The Rabbani Shalom gives us what we need. And you take something from somebody else, you're taking what he needs, not what you need. And you're actually undercutting the Rabbani Shalom, if such a thing is even possible. There's an interesting medrash, scary, but interesting medrash, Shmois Perich of Gimel, of Base, Poshach Gimel, says as follows, that if a person dirties his hands with Gezel, if a person dirties his hands with taking that which doesn't belong to him, so it means that his prayers, his tefillahs will not be answered. A person who mentioned this so many times. We all need things. We all require things. We need things. We need to get married. We need to have children. We need to have parnasa. We need to have health. We need to have happiness. And we all want to turn to Hashem and Hashem help us. And where's the answer? So we've mentioned other things in the past. But says the Medrash over here, when a person steals, he cuts off the connection with him and the Rabbani Shalom. And therefore, if a person is careful with that which he takes, with that which he handles, and everything else that goes with that of tonight that we'll discuss, so automatically, your Tzvillas have a bigger koyach, a bigger strength, to go all the, all the way up to the Rabbani Shalom. You know, people take this very seriously. I'll give you an example. Let me give you a beautiful example. A woman called me on an Erev Shabbos. Must have been about 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So she calls me up as follows. And she says, I need to ask a Shaila. She was in a little bit of a panic. What was the situation? She was on the way to some kibbutz somewhere. I don't know where it was. A few hours drive away from Yerushalayim. And she missed a bus. There were no more buses. That was it. That was the last bus. She missed the last bus. It's over. She's not making it at the Shabbos. She has to make her way back to the seminary or back to wherever she came from, someone else's house, whatever it was. So she called me with the following Shiloh. But I said, listen to the Shiloh and understand there are people that take this halacha very seriously. How many of us would have even asked such a Shiloh? Listen to this. She wanted to know if she should, it has to pay for the money that the people that she was going to stay at, the host that were hosting her, because they laid out money for the food, they cooked for her, they did certain things for her. Now, unfortunately, she's not going to make it there, so maybe she has to pay for that. This bothered her. It bothered her that somebody spent money for me, I'm not going to show up, maybe I have to pay. Like, how many of us would have even entered our mind, like, oh, maybe that's a Shiloh, you know what I mean? I can tell you this on a daily basis, these Shilohs come in all the time. It's, it's unbelievable. We have to start realizing and having a sensitivity to what does stealing mean? To what does it mean to be sensitive to other people's property? To make sure to realize what we have belongs to us. One of the Rebbes, one of the Hoshiva Rebbes, so he had a Shamash. He had somebody that was, you know, looking after him, serving him, whatever it was, tending to whatever he needs he needed. And at once, at one particular point, the Rebbe realized that the shoes of this Shamash was terrible. I mean, it was falling to pieces, it was tattered, it was, it was really, really bad. So he decided he's going to ask a couple of his Hasidim, give me a few, you know, a bit here and a bit there and a bit there. I'll put it together. I'm going to go and send someone to buy him new shoes. And he was all excited. Eventually the Rebbe accumulated the sum that he needed and he put it into the drawer. And the Shamash was watching as every single time he was in the room, right? He saw the Hasidim give him a bit more money, put it into a drawer, a bit more money, put it into the drawer. And he was all excited. And at one point, he figured, you know, 
I don't think the Rebbe's really going to realize if I take some of the money. So he dips into his hand into the, into the drawer and he puts it into his pocket. And the Rebbe, who was no fool, said to him, You're a fool. You see. Because if you would have waited a little bit longer, it would have come to you better. It would have come to you in a permitted fashion. Why did you have to take it like that? We have to realize, and this is something we're going to say again and again in the next few minutes, that when we steal something, it means we have no imuna and bitochen in the rabbi, Because we feel that what we have is not enough. And Hashem not giving me what, what belongs to me, what's coming to me, what I deserve. So let's take something from someone else. And it might be money, it might be property, it might be all sorts of things. And we'll give some examples, but Ezra Hashem. The Bnei Sascha, Bnei Sascha brings one of the most, such a scary statement. You know, I'd be scared to say these things, but I'm only reading to you what the Bnei Sascha says. Listen to this. Says the Bnei Sascha. You have people, you watch Kindalach, little children in Cheda, and you see them innocently learning Maida'ani, Torah Tziva, they're learning Mishnayis, they're learning Gemara with such a Tamimus, with such a purity, so beautiful. Watch the same child ten years later, and unfortunately you see children going in the wrong direction, hanging out with the wrong people, doing the wrong things, saying the wrong things, in the wrong way and you think to yourself what did you do wrong how can it be this child was such a beautiful child was such a simple such a tamimistic real child that was believing in Hashem and all of a sudden there he is gone off the rails what's the child so again I'm not here to give you know different understanding into why people go off the derech but the B'nai Soska says you know why because these children were living for money that was stolen when a child is fed, when a child is raised on money that doesn't belong to him, there's no success in such a child. All the stories in Europe from people that didn't want to accept money from anybody that wasn't Shaima Shabbos. They didn't want to get institutions that were desperate for the money, people that were desperate for the money. But when they heard that the money came from a non-reliable source, from someone that didn't keep Shabbos, or got the money in a cheating way, he wasn't interested at all in the money. We have to realize what this means. Listen to the Mishnah. There's a Mishnah in Ovis Perik Aleph uh, Mishnah Yutres. The Mishnah says, Reb Shimon ben Gamliel Oimeh, Al Shloisha Dvarim HaOlam Kayim. On three things, the world exists. Al Adin, Al Emes, Al Shalom. Al Hadin, on justice. There's a Torah in the beginning of Choshen Mishpat, which is the Shulchan Aruch and the Halachas of monetary matters. Says the Torah, he brings Rabbeinu Yoyna, one of the Rishonim. And he says, what is the Tana trying to teach me? What is it trying to teach me that on three things the world is standing is Kayim, Din, Emes and Shalom. And he says that without these three things the world will be destroyed. Continues the Torah. That HaKadosh Baruch who created the world, He wants to keep the world in existence. When you steal, when you take money from someone that doesn't belong to you, when you take an item without permission, when you keep something that doesn't belong to you, when you take change when you know you shouldn't have taken it, all sorts of ideas and examples. What you're doing, says the Torah, is you're helping towards the cause of destructing the world. The world is kind, the world is in existence because of din. Because people are doing the right thing. 
And we have to realize as well that stealing is the opposite of the entire Torah. Chazal tell us that the Torah is chesed. The Torah is called avas chesed. Darchei noyam. Darchei noyam means a beautiful, nice, easy, calm way. When you steal, you're doing the opposite to that. You're taking what doesn't belong to you. You're causing the destruction of the world and you're doing something that's opposite to the actual Torah. We have to realize as well that when you steal from somebody, you're taking the Kalim that was designated to him. Every single person was created with a Tachlis. Every single person was created with a, with a, a reason, with a purpose into this world. And you were given the instruments that you need to accomplish your Tachlis in this world. If you take from somebody else, you're taking away his Kalim. You're taking away his instruments that he was sent down this world to accomplish. And you're taking them for yourself. Where's the Ramuna? Where's the Betochen in the Rebbeinu Shalaylam? Adkadei Kafas, Amodik, Amais, the Chavetz Chaim. I mean, there's so many Maises, but the one, there's a couple of them I want to mention to you is like this. There's one Maise of the Chavetz Chaim, the Chavetz Chaim, as we know, used to run around selling his Svarim in different places, and he accumulated a lot of money from his Svarim. And he was always Panosa. So what happened is every single Shabbos he would go and stay in a certain place. He obviously had to deposit the money in a safe place. So he gave the money at one point over to the innkeeper that he was staying. And the innkeeper who realized the day of the departure of the Chovetz Chaim, the Chovetz Chaim hadn't yet come to claim his money. He couldn't understand why. He couldn't understand it. The Chovetz Chaim hasn't come to claim his money. It's a fortune of money. They can't just leave. And then he sees the Chovetz Chaim about to leave onto his horse and cart. He says, Rebbe, you didn't take your money. So one says, no, 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 it's okay. You say, why? So I'll tell you. There's a halacha. The halacha is that when you give someone a bikadoin, when you give someone a deposit, when you give someone something to look after, you should do it through aiding. You need witnesses in order to claim it back. I forgot and I didn't have witnesses. Therefore, I've decided I was mucking the money, I've acquired the money to you, you can keep the whole thing. I don't want to be over on this halacha. And the person was destroyed, he said, Rabbi, I'm going to take your money from Svarim. And then the Chavaz Khan says, No, I won't hear of it. Until eventually the fellow threw it into the horse and cart of the Chavaz Khan as he was driving away and says, It's yours, it's yours, it's yours. They bring down a Murdi Kabaisa as well. The Chavaz Khan one time realized in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, he realized that he was being robbed. Right? The Chavaz Khan, as you know, didn't have that many possessions. But he owned a nice silver pair of candlesticks. His wife used to light candles from his very, very pure silver candlesticks, old, antique, whatever they were. That was basically the only thing that the Chovetz Chaim had in his house that was worth anything, right? Middle of the night, the Chovetz Chaim hears noises, what's going on, goes downstairs. And he sees that the Ganav, the Gazlan, the person that's stealing it from him, is running out the front door with the candlesticks. And the Chovetz Chaim, listen to the Meisser of both side. The Chovetz Chaim is running after the thief of his only prized possession. But has any monetary value in his house, the candlesticks. And the Chovetz Chaim is running, look at the scene. The Chovetz Chaim is running after his fellow. It's yours, it's yours, I'm making it to you, it belongs to you. And everybody's looking at what you got, what's shut over here, it's unbelievable. He didn't want someone to be Ivan Gneva. The Chovetz Chaim understood what does it mean to steal. It's so bad, just take it, it belongs to you. And you won't be Ivan Gneva. Okay, we're not on that level. We're not holding there. But just to realize how stringent it is to steal. We're living in a generation where this is very difficult. I'll tell you why. Advertising. What's advertising? Wherever you go, whichever type of phone you have, there's going to be advertising, right? What's advertising? Advertising. You see that in an advert, right? With that cold Pepsi or Coke, whatever, with it dripping down, freezing cold and the ice over there. You know, in the heat of the summer, it's very, very tempting. 
Like you see that cheeseburger, I don't know, the cheeseburger is probably the wrong example, but you have this cheeseburger with the cheese, you know, dripping down. So, mom, it's perfect, dripping down. What are they telling you? What's an advert? You know what an advert is? You're missing something. You need this! And you start thinking, you know, I could do with a good Coke right now. Uh, uh, ten minutes ago, I was not, wasn't even thirsty. But I see it. Ooh, got to have it. And not only that, right? You're going to have, I don't know, you're going to have the latest phone, right? I don't know, four million chinkabytes phone with a new phone and a camera. Look at all these names and all these things, right? But you need to have it because you're missing it. And that's the problem. We grow up. Our education is, we need this. And, you know, people unfortunately grow up in a situation where their happiness is totally on it. And they think to themselves, you know, I would be happy if only I had this. What's the this? More money, win the lottery, this phone, this car. And you grow up, and again, it's not our fault, I'm not blaming anybody here. We grow up with advertisements, advertisements, that's what it is. It's selling you something that you don't need, but telling you you're missing it. And if you just have that Pepsi, and you just buy that new model phone, and that new car, you'll be happy. And you start living that way, thinking, you know, I would be happy if I had that car. I would be happy if I had that car. You never can see the guy in Hollywood with 14 cars. He's not happy yet. I don't know why. He's still seeing the psychologist, right? And the psychiatrist, these people in Hollywood, because they can't figure out why they're not happy. Why are they so depressed? They have a house with 14 bathrooms, each one of them with an eye, you know, huge plasma screen in the bathroom to make sure that your stay in the bathroom will be as comfortable as possible. And they've got 14 cars, they've got battlers, they've got everything in the world. But they're depressed. They go to psychologists and then they sit there, the psychologist and they say, you know, Professor, why am I depressed? I should be happy. And these are what the adverts are telling us. They're telling us, ooh, you're going to be happy if you have this Coke, if you have this new car, if you have this new model phone. Wow, you're going to be happy. And that's where everything begins. Because if that's what you live and that's how you feel, then you're never going to be happy with what you have. And you're looking what somebody else has. I'll be happy if I have that. And that leads a person to stealing, even in a small way. The Hobbit Chaim says, can you imagine? A person would never dream of putting something into his mouth. That wasn't kosher. I get phone calls all the time. Just mom, this afternoon, you can't imagine the phone calls were coming in from this restaurant, from this dining room, from this restaurant. Is it kosher? Is it not kosher? Like, people, it bothers them. They won't walk into the restaurant until they know that it's kosher. So it says the Chavitz Chaim, I'll ask you the same Shaila. Why don't you ask the same question when you make some money? Was it kosher money or was it not kosher money? Did you get this money in the correct way? Was it Erlach? Was it Beseda? Or was it not? Rabbi Beryl Wine says over a Mayudika Maisa. There was a Yid in America, I'm not sure his name. It was a Yid who lived a number of years ago in America. And uh, it was a very Choshev Yid in Erlach Yid. He was a businessman. And uh, he liked doing business with certain people. And there was a big person that came over to him and says to him, I've got an opportunity of a lifetime. An opportunity of a lifetime to make money you can't imagine. And he was telling him the stock you can get from here, the mice you'll give is unbelievable. Tremendous. So he's sitting down in his office to have a discussion. You tell me about it. He did all his research and he sat down in the meeting and he said, listen, I've spoken to the lawyers and I've spoken to the, you know, the investors, I've spoken to the stock market, I've spoken to all the various people that I need to speak to. So he said, let's go through the numbers, right? So he says, okay, what do the lawyers say? Tell us what the lawyers say. What do the stockbrokers say? So the stockbrokers say, the property people, this one, that one, that one. He did all his research. Mommy, she asked him all the questions. What did this one do? What's going to happen over here? What's going to happen over here? And every single thing he provided a beautiful answer. And it was amazing. It sounded like the golden opportunity. 
The only thing was, yeah, let's cut a couple of corners, you know, a couple of tax evasions over there, and a couple of situations over there to avoid this one. But it's okay, he said, don't worry, I've spoken to the lawyers, nobody will ever find out, we don't have to know about it. Yeah, a couple of corners, you know how it is, you know, it's business for you. You know, we've got to do business. A couple of corners, Nishkefer. It's all right, it's okay. So as he was going through all the questions, what does he say? How's it going to happen over here? What's it going to be? He said, this sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. I've just got one question for you. What does God say? What does God have to say about this business deal? And the guy was like, who? Stumped. I don't know. This one he didn't have an answer to. The lawyer had an answer. The stockbroker had an answer. Everyone had an answer. What does God say? I don't know. That is what a person has to ask himself. You're doing a business deal. You're going into business. You're going to be involved in all sorts of money-making schemes and everything else. You have the opportunity to cut over there. This guy, it's not really stealing. And he's a guy. And all of a sudden, all that tale that you ever heard in yeshiva in your entire lifetime, from all the Gemara that you never remembered until now, spring to the top of your head. Hmm, it's Basarayv, and this Gemara, and that Lomda, Bottle Bishishim, and he's a guy, and I'll never know. That boy's side. I had a fellow in England that told me the following Maisa he told me like this he was asking me advice but one of the things he was telling me was that he worked in a certain place in England whatever it was for a certain group of people and they kept on asking him his job was to make certain letters and send it to the lawyers so they asked him you know keep on upping the price and make a little bit more and the insurance came a little bit more and then the lawyers a little bit more in order to make money on the side and it really started to bother him until eventually he said, you know, I can't do this anymore. And he actually quit his job. It took him six months to find another job. He was out of work for six months. But he told me it was the happiest thing he ever did. To feel that you're stealing, he wasn't making the money himself. He was getting no benefit from it. But to steal from somebody else, a yid has to know how serious it is. Rabbi Avram Karolina Zatzal used to say, on Erev Pesach, when a person checks his pockets for any, you know, crumbs or anything that may be in his pockets, he used to cry. And he said, a yid, a Jewish person, has to check his pockets from stolen money. A yid should never go to sleep at night with stolen money inside the money that came around in the wrong way. A person has to realize as well, and we'll get to this in a moment, on that fateful day, on that day, the awesome day of Yom Hadin, after 120 years of living in this world, they're going to ask you the first question on the list. There's a list. And they're going to ask you what bunch of questions. We've discussed it before about Mashiach. But one of the questions they're going to ask you is, did you act with emuna in business? Were you correct? Were you upright? Did you do business in a correct and honest way? And you're going to have to answer in front of Melech, Malchem, Lochim, the Rebbeini, Shalom. Everybody's going to be there, the Malachim, all the family members, and you are going to have to answer this question. Did you do business honestly, or did you not do business honestly? It's a very scary thought, but a person has to realize that. Basically, I want to give you a couple of examples of what actually stealing can be. And then, of course, we'll go to one last thing, which is really, really, really scary. The Makaras we mentioned in the Torah, but a person has to realize there's a difference in the Torah if everybody learned the Gemara between a Ganaf and a Gazlan. There's a difference between the person that steals at night and steals at day. What does a Ganaf do? A Ganaf, I don't know if there's an English word, but a Ganaf is somebody that steals at night. What does the Gemara say in such a person? That his punishment is a lot worse than a Gazlan who steals during the day. What's the difference? A Ganaf, someone that steals at night, has to pay, when they find him, four or five times more than when he stole. Whereas Gazlun that steals during the day doesn't. What's the difference? Say Chazal, you know what the difference is? 
That when a person steals at night, what is he doing? What is he showing? He's showing that I'm scared of people. There's nobody up there. God, eh, no one's looking. Because if he would be scared of the rebellion from he wouldn't be doing it at night. The one that does it during the day, so it doesn't make a difference to him. Humans, I got this No, doesn't make a difference. He's not scared of nobody. But the person that steals at night, if you go into somebody else's room and you take something that doesn't belong to you when he's not there, and you do it in a way that you wouldn't be doing it if anybody was there, you're a ganav. And a ganav means you pay four or five times. Why? Because you're showing that there's no reason that you're scared of anybody, including HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Chinuch writes in Mitzvah, Reish Chav Ches, what was the reason why the Torah wrote so many times the issue of stealing? You know, so many times. The Torah could have just written, don't steal. It has to be in this way, it has to be in that. Three times the Torah has to write a form of stealing. Why? Says the Chinuch to give a person more schar, more reward, when the person is tempted and he doesn't actually steal. I want to give you a couple of examples, just because we've spoken about stealing, but give me an example. Tell me all about it, right? Like you said, right? The Chaim. I don't go around stealing old women's handbags. I don't go and rob banks. So what is it to get to me? So I'll tell you like this. Number one, Rav Yashiv used to paskin as follows. You're in a line, whether it's at a car, whether you're in a line waiting in the bank, or in the grocery shop, and you cut into the line and you cut everybody else, it's called a vat gezel. It's a type of stealing. You stole. What have you stolen? You stolen everybody else's time. There was a miser once with a stapler. The stapler was waiting for a bus. I mean, in those days, the Gedolim used to travel on buses. There were no gaboyim and taxis and special limousines. You know, the Gedolim used to go by bus. But I can't, you can realize, right, when the stapler walked on the bus, you know, the God Ladar is here, right? So they wanted him to go to the front of the line. Like, why should he wait? He said, no, no, no. I'll only go if I have permission from every single person in the line. I don't want to steal from anybody. I don't want to steal. And you have to realize cutting in line is a shayla of stealing. Another example, you're working for someone, and this is so gay. you work for someone, you make a phone call, you use a pen, you use a photocopy machine, for things that are not business related, who gives you permission to do that? To make a phone call on their cheshbon? To you, to take a pen home at night when it belongs to them? I mean, you might think of it as a simple thing, like what's the big deal? They probably don't mind, right? It's probably okay. No, no, no. Unless you ask permission, it's a shayla of stealing min hatoya. That's stealing mamish. That's stealing mamish. Gezel Shana is a shayla whether he wakes somebody up. Is it yeah, Gezel Shana? Is it not Gezel Shana? Taking a newspaper, for example, on somebody's letterbox. And I ask them, you want to see the newspaper you see sticking out from the door? You're like, oh, great. And you go and open it and read it. Without asking permission, that's mamish a shayla of stealing. Taking a picture of somebody they don't want a picture taken. Going to a wedding. And you take a portion of food after for your roommate to come back or someone is. If you didn't ask permission, Ravosna says a shayla from stealing. They might have to pay for every single portion that people ate. And therefore by taking it, you're stealing for somebody else. I mean, we, the list can go on and go on using property without permission. Even for a few moments, you have to be so careful. You see something lying around from somewhere else. You're like, ah, probably doesn't mind. Yeah. Who said? It's a shayla stealing. It's a sophic stealing. Sophic in everything we said until now. Sophic at fillers won't be answered. Sophic in tremendous things. What do you need it for? What for? Sophic l'chumra. Stealing from a guy. The Gemara and Baba Kama Kufid Gimel tells us that people think stealing from a guy is moto no chas v'sholom. A person is not allowed to steal from a guy. Let's say it again. I sound like a broken record. You're not allowed to steal from a guy. There is no hatter. Finish. Full stop. End of story. Period. 
No such etiquette. You're not allowed to steal from a goy. Now there's certain halachas. What happens if you get changed and he gave it to change and he doesn't know about it? Tayas akum. I mean, there's all sorts of times. We're not going to do mish, but you understand at this moment of time. But I'm trying to give you a little bit of idea into how stringent stealing can actually be, and it goes even a little bit further than that. And it is the Chavetz Chaim writes that if a person gets money from stealing, eventually the money will be taken away. Chazal tell us kol masha odom goizel. That means if you steal from others, the money will automatically be stolen from you. Chazal tell us in the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah that a person and Rosh Hashanah is given an amount of money that he is going to be receiving from one Rosh Hashanah to another Rosh Hashanah with the exception of spending money for Shabbos and the children for Talmud Torah and everything else. But you're given that money. You take money or something from somebody else. You take an item that doesn't belong to you. What you're doing is you're saying, no, I run the world. I've got my own rules and the Rabbani Shalom doesn't exist. from saying such a thing. I want to finish with one last thing. This hopefully will drive the point home in a stronger manner. The Chovetz Chaim writes as follows. And again, you know, we quote the Chovetz Chaim. You have to realize the Chovetz Chaim was Kodesh HaKadoshim. The Chovetz Chaim didn't say an extra word if he didn't need to. And if the Chovetz Chaim writes it, obviously there's Mekoyus from Chazal. This is our Torah, this is our Munah, this is what we believe in. Says the Chovetz Chaim as follows. That a person has to realize, and this is tremendously scary, that if you stole from somebody in this world, and you took something that didn't belong to you, whether it was an item, whether it was money, whether it was time, whatever it may be, if we mention now, and you steal something, you will have to come back into this world and repay him unless you repay him before you leave. Unless you repay every single person that you owe money to, or you ever stole to. Says the Chofetz Chaim from Chazal, you will have to come back as a Gilgal. So you'll tell me, no, what's the big deal? It's great, what do you mean? More pizza, more movies, more shawarma, another football game. Then what's so bad in having... Says the Chobetz let me give you a little moshah. Let me tell you a little bit of an example of what it means to come back at Gilgul in this world. Says the Chobetz Chaim, and Mamish quoting the Lashon, the word, come out word for word. The Chobetz Chaim is the following moshah. It says, imagine a person, he's got a big family, and unfortunately the family is, you know, they're very poor. And his wife turned to him one day and says, you know, my dear husband, I love you dearly, but like, we, we've got no money. There's nothing. I can't put bread on the table. I can't give my kids milk in the morning. You have to do something. So somebody had told him an idea. If you travel to a certain island, it takes a long time. You can make a lot of money. You can bring it back. You can support your family for many years. And he said, you know what? He said to his wife, my kids, I love you all dearly, but I have to do something. It's tremendously difficult for me. I'm going to be leaving you for a very long time. But when I come back, I'll be able to support you. If I'll have food, it will be great. You just have to manage the next few years by yourselves and then eventually you'll have a comfortable life. And he waves them goodbye, he bids everybody farewell and off he goes, he's got a couple of suitcases and he goes onto the boat, it's a couple of months of a trip and he has to be there for a few years to make enough money for it to be worth it for him to come back and support his family. And he gets there, he starts doing a bit of business deals, a little bit over there, borrows money from this one, starts investing, started going and Baruch Hashem, he's successful and successful and successful. And after about three or four years, he's missing his family terribly. No communication, he has no idea what's going on. And he says, you know what, time is up. I think it's time to go back to my family. I think I have enough money over here to take back with me, support my family, and even maybe even open up a business over there and continue supporting my family in an honest manner. And he said, okay, he made the kavua, the, the, the time for the ship. 
He sends a telegram back to his family. I've taken this ship. It's going to take me a few months. Terrible trip. You can imagine those days in the ship. It wasn't such a simple flight. It's not like getting onto an aeroplane. Off you go. Seven hours later, you're there. It was a real strenuous trip. Whatever it was, he organized it. And he sent a telegram back to his family to say, meet me at the other side. I'll be so excited to see how my children are and how everyone's doing. And great. Somebody advised him, by the way, it's always could die before you leave the island, before you leave over here, to make sure you sort out any, you know, financial things that you were busy with, or people you owe someone money, or you did certain dodgy deals here and there. It's always could die to fix this. I laughed at the guy. He said, what do you, what do you think I am? I'm a very honest guy. Like, hello, please, come on. So fine. He went on the boat. Off it was. A couple of months later, he arrives. Finally, he can see his destination. And he can see people waiting on, his, on, on, on the shore over there, waiting to greet everybody coming from the ship. And his family, you can imagine, years of not seeing their family. are so excited. Here, Tati's coming back. Daddy's coming back. And all of a sudden, the ship goes the anchor goes down the ramp goes down and people start streaming off and they're so excited and they suddenly glimpse something that they see oh I think their father's there the kids are jumping for joy and so excited until all of a sudden the police officer the customs over there said hey you come back you know that dreaded feeling as you walk past the airport with the suitcases think to yourself I really hope that they don't stop me even if you don't have anything you look a bit you look a bit guilty you know ooh I hope they don't stop me so this guy was stopped and you can imagine his family and you can imagine him he was. Be- he said please what's going on they said listen when you first came to the island you did something you, pay- you didn't pay a couple of taxes in the beginning unfortunately you have to go back and pay the taxes oh, you're crazy it took me months to get over here my family I haven't seen them for years please please let me see them he says okay you can see them for a moment or two and you can imagine the pain and the anguish of him going to see his family he bids them a hello and they're so excited daddy's coming home and the police are taking him back and he goes into the boat and they close up the bridge and up he goes back a few months later out to the, back to the island says the Chofetz Chaim on the Shoma after an entire lifetime of being in this world, Torah, mitzvahs, chesed, everything beautiful, we come to the next world, they show us Ganadin, they show us the reward that we're going to get. And they take it back and they say, hold on a minute, you've got to go back as a Gilgal. You've got to go back into the world again. Your shomer is screaming, no, I don't want to go back to that world again, the world of Sheker, the world of Choyshech, darkness, terrible lies and everything. No, the shomer has to go back. And by the way, don't think it's so simple that just because you come back, you're automatically going to do it. When Moshe Aaron Stern's that Sal used to say that he took a, a young man who has a terrible terminal illness, he had cancer, and he took, the, the Jew, he took this young man to a Makobal, uh, some Kabbalist, to try and give him a bracha, he should be well. They walked into the room didn't say a word. They walked into the room, the couple stood up on his chair, and he said, what's the matter with you? This isn't the first time, this isn't the second time, this isn't the third time. You've been sent down to this world with a purpose, you keep missing the boat. The boy said, we have no idea why we're on this world. We all know one thing. The Kabbalists tell us, you know, Zoyas and Kabbalah, and whatever is going on in Shamayim, that most of the Neshamas in this world are Gilgulim. We're living here from past. Whatever this means, we're going into it. But says the Chofetz Chaim, stealing is one of those things that could lead a person to come back to this world. We have to have a sensitivity. We have to realize respect for other people's property. And when we do have respect, and we do understand what it means to take that which doesn't belong to us. And the Hashem, the Rebbeinu Shalom, will give us Siyat Dishmaya. He will give us the Koyach of our Tfilah. They have a curse to go straight up to the Rebbeinu Shalom. 
And Be'ez HaShem, the Rabbani Shalom, will help all of us to fulfill our tachlis in this world. Join us tomorrow night, Be'ez HaShem. Go ahead, go ahead.